Hi everyone, and welcome to the Practice Growth with Praz podcast. I'm your host, Praz Murthy, CFO and co-founder at Dr. Multimedia, where for the last 10 years, I've been helping practices grow all across the country. We started this podcast so we could dive deeper into the issues around practice growth, from online marketing to the way you run your business. We know doctors are busy people and you don't have a lot of time to study these kinds of topics, so we're hoping this audio podcast makes it really easy to stay up to date with what's going around the country. We'll be interviewing top doctors, successful practice managers, and other experts in the field. Without further ado, let's get started. There's so much when it comes to sales that you can learn, and it can be a really difficult thing for a medical practice to embrace because you don't really have a salesman that works for you per se, and you do want to generate more revenue and more income, and you do want to do better and grow as a practice, but you don't really have anyone dedicated to it, and so it really becomes everyone's job and no one's job all at the same time. And when you're talking about great hygienists or great technicians or great receptionists, they almost never have any actual sales training. So some people are just great because of their personalities and they relate to people and they listen and they look out for the business's best interests. And a lot of people aren't any of those things. And so what's important as a business owner is you definitely need elements within your practice, thinking about sales, working on sales, improving sales, and then hopefully mastering sales and it will make a daily difference in your revenue monthly, quarterly. You'll see the numbers grow up um, just by people following some really, really basic sales advice. They don't have to become full-fledged salesmen or anything like that, but what you do want them is understanding the power of persuasion and and the mistakes that they're making that are actually limiting your growth. The first lesson I have when it comes to learning sales and spreading sales throughout your practice is not to be afraid of money. You know, talking about money, talking about profit, talking about sales, it almost feels like a dirty word for a lot of medical professionals, uh, whether it's the doctors or the office managers or even the staff. You get an immediate sense of discomfort when you try to have these conversations with staffs all across the country. And it's understandable, right? You, you didn't become uh, you know, a doctor or a medical professional or a technician or hygienist to just make endless amounts of money. You did it because you wanted to help people, you wanted to help animals, you wanted to make a difference, you wanted to contribute to your community. So all of those were probably the driving force for why you went through all this schooling. And then now that you're there, of course, you would like to do more of it and you'd like to be part of a successful organization and you would like to grow, which sales and revenue are going to be at the heart of. So the number one thing is to get rid of this uh, stigma about talking about money. And you can't really do it by just telling people, hey, be comfortable talking about money from now on. The best way to do it is to actually keep talking about it within the practice, you know, whether you do staff trainings or just you as the doctor, your mentality, getting the group together. And if you talk about something every day or every week, people will naturally become more comfortable with it and they won't find it such a strange topic. It's just that little bit of uncertainty and a lot of people just don't know how to communicate well with other people. So when communication might become uncomfortable, they sort of run the other way. And that's actually horrible for for sales and improving the revenue of your business. So talking about it, not being afraid of it, making a point that sales isn't a bad thing inherently, right? A lot of people equate salesmen with taking advantage of someone. That's not at all what it's about. Sales is supposed to be about uh, filling someone's need or bringing them a solution to a problem that they have. 
And then what makes it sales is the ability to persuade. So the ability to convince someone that they should try the solution you have. You know, if you don't believe in the solution that you're offering to their problem, you don't even get this far. Don't try to sell it. But if you do believe it, now it's about transferring that belief that you have, that it is a good idea and that they should do it to them and having them believe it. So if you think about sales as transferring the belief that your solution is a great solution for their problem, there's nothing dirty or salesman-y or you know, twisting an arm involved with that. That just comes down to explaining something the right way and explaining it in a way that they can relate to. So longer than I wanted to spend on just the first point, however, it's that important. You have to get rid of the discomfort and get rid of the stigma about having conversations about money. The following techniques will help you do that, but it really is a mindset thing. And the number one thing you can do as a business owner or as a practice manager is start working these conversations into your daily routine so that people naturally become more comfortable with it. So. The next topic when it comes to sales is the idea of communication. You know, so many times people think that the way to communicate are just in the words that you use. If you use the right words, everything will happen exactly the way that you want. If your email is written perfectly, if your phone call is scripted, well, of course the person on the other side is going to understand everything and just everything will be great. But that as anyone who's in sales or in art of persuasion or communicates for a living will tell you the words are a small percentage. You know, the statistics are kind of crazy or variable uh, to try to quantify something like that. But for the purpose of argument, let's pretend about 7% of communication is through the actual words. The vast majority of communication comes from body language, and then somewhere in between comes from the tone of how you're speaking. So generally, if someone, someone's body language and their tone will tell you more about what they're trying to say than what they're actually saying. You, know, you can think about if someone's yelling because they're angry, or if they're slouched over because they're not engaged. That's where we get our cues from about what someone is trying to communicate. So the way that this relates to sales is a couple fold. If your staff are on the phone and you're trying to increase the percentage that they book appointments or the percentage of compliance or their ability to upsell or you know, add on services or procedures over the phone or even the ability to prevent cancellations and talk them into rescheduling, now what you have left is there's no body language over the phone and so the predominant way that they communicate is going to be the tone. So the way they're speaking is more important than what they're saying. So you do have to practice enunciating, having different pitches or tonality you know, in the way that you deliver it. So when you write a script or when you give them the words to say, you don't just want to tell them what to say, you want to show them how to say it to have the maximum results. Now, if someone is in the practice and you're speaking with them, now body language comes in as that number one factor. So the way that you are, the way that you look, the way that you're acting, when you're explaining something to someone, that's going to make a big difference. So you know, and doctors know this, whether consciously or subconsciously, when you're making a recommendation or diagnosis, if you're kind of slunched over and talking quietly and well, maybe this would be a good idea, or you're kind of upright and bold and bright and said, you know what, Susie? Uh, this is your problem. These are the solutions that are going to take care of it. I highly recommend this. In my opinion, in my medical opinion, it's what you should do. When can we book this appointment? You know, you can just you can just feel the difference, and that's kind of the point. So, being aware of body language, tonality, in addition to what they're saying, 
very crucial, especially for someone who doesn't have any sales experience or someone that's not that great at communicating, you know, interpersonal communication. These are things you actually have to practice. You know, you have to remember to sit up straight. You have to remember the poses of your body that exude confidence. So especially when you're, if you're talking about money. Like we said, one of the things that um, is uncomfortable about talking about money is people are a little unsure about it. Well, if you are unsure about talking about money, that will come through in the way that you're carrying yourself and the way that you're acting and your patients and clients will pick up on that and they will not be as persuaded or as likely to go along with what you're saying because they're sensing that um, lack of confidence or that uncertainty. So the next technique that kind of blends in with that, blends in with confidence, blends in with not being afraid to talk about money, blends in with body language and communication is don't make assumptions. Don't assume that your patient or your client can't afford the treatment that they need. Just don't do it. It's so easy to do, right? We judge people based on how they look, what they wear, what they drive, how they talk. All day long we're judging people, and I get it, it's just human nature. But when it comes to your medical practice and your staff, you need to be very certain that they're not changing the way they're presenting something because of an assumption about who someone is or what they can afford or what they can't afford. If the treatment plan is the treatment plan, if that's what needs to happen and there's a price tag with it, you need to present that with confidence and then let them respond. You know, a lot of times this can happen in a dental office or a veterinary office especially. What you should recommend, let's say, is $600, right? You're in a veterinary facility, you need to run multiple tests, you wanna, you know, you wanna run some lab results. And the technician is like, well, you know, okay, we need to do all these things and the bill's gonna be $600, is that okay? Or if, if it's not okay, maybe we could just do these on your next visit. They're already kind of talking themselves and the patient or client out of it. No, assume that everyone has enough money for what they need, present it that way with that level of confidence and then if it turns out there are issues or payment plans are needed or we need to schedule different services for different days we can work on that but start from that assumption because you'll be surprised the number of times that you're wrong when you're assuming something about someone you know i think i was listening to another podcast and i heard this great story from a rural area that a lot of times you know a farmer might come in with a really beat up truck you know dirty clothes they come down, they sit down, they get the, the bill for the, the proposed treatment at a dentist's office and it'll be like $4,000 and they'll go out to their beat up truck and they'll come back in with a coffee can full of cash and they'll just pay you with, with $100 bills, right? But if you had made assumptions about that person based on what you see or what you hear, then you would never even get to that point where you might propose paying cash. So it's about that mentality. You know, this happens to me all the time too when I'm in a veterinary practice, you know, the, once they get to know me and they realize, hey, look, I do have disposable income and a few hundred dollars is not going to be the difference between me giving my pet all of the care that you as a trusted medical professional think I, they need, I'm going to do it every time. I hope you don't take advantage of that knowing that I'm just going to agree, but you don't need to ask me for permission. But instead, a lot of times when I'm working with a new vet tech, they'll go through the whole breakdown and say, this costs this amount, this costs this amount, this costs this. Is that okay? Do I have your approval? And my response is, we could have saved five minutes if you had just told me the total, uh, you know, and I would have paid you already by now. And again, maybe that's not making assumptions about me, but that is making assumptions about their clients that they would be uncomfortable or uneasy 
about you know the payment and this doesn't happen by accident this happen actually happens from experience your staff goes through these uncomfortable conversations with people that can't afford it and they're almost a little scarred like someone got mad at them or someone scoffed at the price they got outrageous now every time in the future they want to be extra safe and extra certain so they're missing a lot of good opportunities um, to either work faster or more diligently or get more things done at once you just have to assume that everyone can afford it that's the advice boiled down in a sentence but in assuming that you want to be confident about it you want to present what you believe in and then if there's a problem if there's an objection if there's a reason someone can't do something you work with them to solve the problem you don't just immediately before they say anything start giving them solutions to a problem that doesn't exist hey I can't afford that all at once okay no problem let's look at certain payment structures you know uh, I really just don't have that much money right now. I'm going to have to come back next week and get it done. Well, let's look at some options so that we can get this done today or this week because it is important for you or for your pet or whatever the case may be. So these are basic persuasion skills that will get your patients to do what you want. And remember, it's not about taking advantage about, of anyone or convincing them about things they don't need. Like I said, if you believe in the treatment plan and you do think that is what your patient would need, wouldn't you want them to be persuaded to go ahead and take those recommendations and get the things done and have you know a healthier life and have a better quality of life by taking care of problems before they start and not try to just save a few dollars because they didn't sense that confidence and that security you know from you guys so the next technique uh, when it comes to sales is the art of the follow-up you know if I had to teach people probably the number one thing I've learned the last couple years when it comes to my own sales ability is just how important, relentless, and frustrating following up can be. I mean, it is one of the worst things. It's one of the things that no one wants to do, salesman or not, because it feels like a you know uh, endless endeavor with no real reward. But it is the most important thing you can do. So what do I mean by follow-up in medical practice? Obviously, you don't have a sales team, so who is it that would be following up? So just some examples. Someone emails in to your, through your website asking for more information or wanting to book an appointment. Your staff emails them back. No response. So what does your staff do from there? Are they going to send a second email? Are they going to send a third email? Are they going to keep emailing? Are they going to call the phone number? Are they going to try calling you multiple times a day? Or does your staff just hit one reply and figure, you know what, when they want to schedule, they'll go ahead and book it. That is probably the worst attitude that you can have when it comes to sales is, you know what, when they want it, they'll reach out to me. They already reached out to you once, and they're very busy people, and it may have been important in that moment, it may not. Follow-up is the key to all sales. So if I was running a medical practice and someone emailed me asking for an appointment, my staff would email them back every single day until they told us that they didn't want an appointment or they asked us to stop emailing them. It's not about pestering them. It's about they at one point in time wanted to request an appointment. I'm not going to be the reason that they don't request the appointment. You know, if they forgot, if they got busy, if they went out of town, 
no problem. If they're not interested, they will tell me, right? If you're going to assume anything, let it be that. They're going to let me know when they're not interested. Because otherwise, I'm giving up before anything has happened. I want them to request the appointment. I want to let, to let them know whenever you're ready, we're here. We're going to keep following up. If I had a phone number, they'd get an email. If they didn't reply to the email, they'd get a, a phone number, a phone call and an email back. And everyone would be polite and friendly and say, hey, if you're no longer interested, just let us know. Um, and we'll, we'll go ahead and remove you from our list, right? You weren't the ones that put them on the list. This wasn't a cold call. They reached out to you. So, you know, one of our rules here at Dr. Multimedia when you talk about sales is you can't stop contacting someone just because they're not getting back to you. And a lot of times, you know, I'm very busy. I have a lot of things to do. I don't want to spend time contacting people that don't want to be contacted. So I will tell them, I'll tell them very upfront, you know, in a voicemail, it, you know, if you're not interested, please let me know. It's actually my job to keep reaching out to you. So I literally can't stop unless you let me know you're not interested. So if you are interested, no problem, take as long as you need. But if you're not, please let me know in return. That way I won't keep calling or emailing. So the power of the follow-up, so important. Not just incoming requests. Someone calls you on the phone and they're in the middle of a conversation and it gets disconnected or you put them on hold and they hang up. Did you grab the phone number initially? Right, if you're not grabbing their phone number and their email, how are you gonna follow up? If you got the phone number, do you call them right back? Do you just wait for them to call you? Do you call the next morning when you start the day? Do you call at the end of the day when it's over um, and you're packing up? You have to keep following up until you get that no. The power of the follow-up is just absolutely undeniable. It will show them that you care. It will show them the customer service that you have. And most importantly, it will lead to more appointments. It will lead to more rebooks. Someone cancels an appointment with you, right? A week out, well within your cancellation policy, they say, you know what, I'm not going to make it. How often are you following up to get them back on the books? When are you giving up? And then one, just figuring, well, you know, they'll call when they're ready to reschedule. No, you have to force the issue. Sales is not about waiting for someone to get back to you. Everyone is way too busy. They have way too many distractions. Sales is about making sure that when someone wants to work with you, that you're doing everything in your power to work with them. Incredibly important. We could probably do a whole hour on follow-up, um, but it's something that your practice has to be doing from the top to the bottom. Um, from the doctor all the way to the receptionist, whatever opportunities come across your desk, make sure you're constantly following up with them. And the last technique uh, that I want to share today is the power of silence. This one I think really hits home compared to some of the other topics that we've gone over. When people are nervous, when people aren't confident, when people think that you can't afford something, when people want to solve problems that don't even exist, what they do is they keep talking. They figure if they just talk and talk and talk, eventually you'll just say yes, right? Instead of giving the patient or the client the time to think about it. Uh, there's kind of an old adage in sales that the, when you're in negotiations, the first person to talk loses. So what you wanna do is you wanna present your case or your treatment plan or your price or the option that you're giving them and then just like I said, don't assume anything, don't create problems that aren't there, just be quiet. Give them some time, right? A little bit of silence is powerful. Let them respond to you instead of just hammering them time after time after time. So a uh, classic one of these is with cancellations. You know, um, okay, so I'm, I'm a 
optometry practice, someone's calling at 5 p.m. to cancel an 8 a.m. appointment, right? They call in, okay, you know, Susie, I totally understand you want to schedule, you want to reschedule your appointment. We're so sorry you can't make it. It is within the 24-hour cancellation period, so I can reschedule you, but it's actually going to cost a $50 fee. And then just stop. Let Susie say the next thing instead of, oh, let me see if I can get that waived, or I'm so sorry, I know you're angry that you're not going to want to pay that. No, it's a $50 recancellation, uh, cancellation fee. Did you want me to go ahead and book it? And then let them think about it. Maybe if it turns out they can move a couple things around in the morning and they can make that appointment still. Maybe they can get a ride, you know, when they didn't think that they were going to have one. Maybe it's not worth the $50 uh, to miss the appointment and they'll figure it out and they'll come on in, right? If you make the things you don't want to happen easy to happen, they're going to keep happening to you. You want to make sure that the, the policies, the procedures, the prices you have, you have them for a reason, you should believe in them, you should uphold them, and like I said, the power of silence. Or um, someone's on the phone, they call in, um, and it's really easy for a receptionist to just chat all day about your services and then not even ask, you know, if they want, if they're ready to book the appointment. But hey, you know, and it's okay to try a few times. You answer a minute's worth of questions. So, are you ready to book the appointment now? And just wait. They're either going to say yes or they're going to say no and probably have a reason why. And then you're going to work on that reason. So I can't underestimate the power of silence, letting someone think about what you just said, process it, and either they're going to agree or they're going to not and they're going to have a reason or two. And then that's what real sales and you know, persuasion about is handling the reasons that they have to not do something, helping them solve their problems, whatever the new problems may be, and then that way they'll still take the action that you want in the end and they'll actually feel a lot better about it. So, you know, a lot of times you just need to stop talking and let someone make a decision and then react from there. Like we said, don't create problems that don't exist. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Practice Growth with Praz. I'm your host, Praz Murthy, and if you have any questions or comments, please visit us at drmultimedia.com. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're constantly sharing new content as part of our mission to take online marketing topics and make them relevant to your practice. And if you like what you heard, please tell a friend and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thanks so much for listening, and we can't wait to do it again.